Nvidia stock is a growth story and that growth story is getting way too far ahead of itself. Right now, Nvidia trades at 73 times earnings, an absolute monster valuation. If this stock comes back anywhere near what it has traded historically in the 30 range, it is an $85 stock and that's a collapse of almost 90% in value. Watch this video, I'll explain what I mean. If you're buying this stock, you need to be aware of the downside. You ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the channel. I greatly appreciate it. This week up, I wanted to take a look at NVIDIA, an absolute monster stock that continues to, su to surprise in the upside and perform well. Uh, despite their gaming revenue collapsing, the AI boom has come back, the stock came roaring back, and it looks like it's going to continue to print money. This, this company literally makes gold in its GPUs, and it cannot seem to make enough of them. I think Elon Musk even said that he wants to buy every single one they make. So, how do you value this kind of company? Let's take a look at the cash that they make and understand what this company is and what it isn't. Behind me is the enterprise value to EBITDA, the ratio that we use as one of two methods for evaluating a company. This one simply says, hey, this is the EBITDA, the earnings before interest tax depreciation, divided by the enterprise value of the business. And you can see every year from 14 to 2024, not only have earnings grown, the bars, which is great, but the multiple on those earnings, the market has given to the business for the forward-looking growth story has also continued to rise almost exponentially uh, from a, say, a low of eight times single digit to an astronomical, mind-blowing 73 times EBITDA currently uh, today. And this has produced a hockey stick curve of stock price. And typically, when you see these type of curves, uh, they're unsustainable. I would go back and ask you to go back and watch my Microsoft, my 30-year history of Microsoft. I also did one of Amazon. Either video is great. It'll show you those stocks during the tech.com bubble and how they went the same pattern. Earnings were growing strong. The market continued to give it way too much credit for its growth. Uh, and eventually, it ran into a ceiling. It simply could not give it any more credit. And once that stopped, the downside was in and everyone was selling and you could not get away from the stock fast enough by that market multiple collapsed from, I think Microsoft was plus 100 down to single digits. The same thing is absolutely true with Nvidia. This stock could absolutely crater even though earnings continue to grow. That was the story with Microsoft. I highly recommend you check out that video, search my YouTube for Microsoft 30 year history. Now at this channel, we look for five key attributes for all of the stocks. We wanna look for a stock that's got growing revenue, growing earnings, strong free cash flow, low debt, and a well-priced stock. Those five key attributes for us are kind of the starting point of where we begin to value stock and kind of consider it for a long-term hold of 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, we're buying equities. Equities are highly uncertain. And if you're gonna buy a business, the business never goes in a smooth upward sloping line. It's always up and down. And so you're gonna buy this company. You're gonna hold it for a very long time. You wanna get it at a good price. That is one of the biggest things you can do as an investor. You can be wrong in your forecasts. Uh, the business can surprise um, the, 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 by its own performance. It can be surprised by economic performance, such as um, the pandemic. But if you buy a business cheap enough, there's enough downside protection there or, or moat or cushion, whatever you want to call it, um, that will help you or margin of safety that will help you um, 
uh, perform well over time, that is one of the single biggest things you can do to help protect your portfolio is to be buying stocks at a reasonable price. And in this humble analyst's opinion, 73 times um, next year's earnings is far too high a price to pay for NVIDIA. All right, so let's dive into the Cashflow Club. Behind me is the Cashflow Club. You can see it at cashflowinvestingpro.com. Uh, that website, we offer a club where the analysts in here, we release uh, coverage on about 150 different stocks. Uh, we produce one-pagers. A one-pager looks just like this. It is simply a one-page summary of a stock. It has 10 years of financial information. It has a forecast for, rev for uh, EBITDA and for free cash flow. And we summarize the five key factors off of the side so you can kind of quickly assess, is this something that needs uh, further attention? If so, you begin your due diligence. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through NVIDIA really quickly and kind of show you the highlights of the stock, what's good, what's bad, and give an opinion. So revenue in 2014 to 2023 has grown from $40 billion to $27 billion last fiscal year. That's an average annual growth rate of 23%. Outstanding. Definitely checks the box for, uh, for our growth stock. Absolute amazing growth. Very interesting here that last year, year over year, growth is flat. Again, I mentioned at the opening of this video that uh, their gaming um, uh, sector of the, of the revenue was hit tremendously when the cryptocurrency uh, collapsed and all the gamers, or excuse me, all the, uh, the, the miners stopped buying, miners and, and gamers stopped buying the, uh, the microprocessors. And as a result, their revenue is roughly flat. The, re the reason the stock is taken off is because they mentioned AI about a thousand times in their in their press conferences, so people are chasing what they believe is the next uh, magic number. Uh, who knows if that's actually going to happen? I think that's why it's getting such um, such high market multiple at this point. Earnings have followed the same suit. So earnings were grew from seventy uh, seven hundred and thirty five million dollars of earnings to seven point one billion last year. That's actually down year over year from eleven point two at the peak of that. Um, gaming and uh, and Bitcoin buying uh, euphoria. Cash outstanding, uh, they have excess cash, about $10 billion, as they do make uh, a tremendous amount of cash. Market cap has absolutely exploded from $10 billion in 2014 to $433 billion. It peaked at $653 billion last year. Uh, but that is an absolute monster growth. Enterprise value is essentially going to be the market cap because there's there's really no excess debt here. It's going to follow the same pattern. Debt you can see is zero. Uh, net debt zero essentially. EBITDA enterprise value EBITDA. This is what I was showing you earlier with that graph. Uh, ten times, roughly ten times earlier in the decade, you could have bought, purchased this stock for, which is an amazing uh, amazing deal. It then shoots up to this mid-20s, 30s, and 40s range, and then gets absolutely insane, peaking at 61 times forward, uh, excuse me, trailing enterprise value to EBITDA, which is, which is very, very high. And this is the interesting thing, is that you can have companies whose uh, revenue and earnings continue to grow, but the market can no longer afford the premium assigned to those earnings. And while the stock continues to the stock itself, the company itself continues to perform well with growing earnings and revenue, the market does no, no longer gives the same uh, earnings multiple on those earnings, and so the stock price falls as the market multiple collapses back down to normal, even though earnings continue to grow. And that's the very important lesson here about not paying too much 
for a stock. And I caution you, I think this is very, very unreasonable to pay. Let's take a look at adjusted free cash flow. We adjust free cash flow for stock-based compensation. And I'm going to pause here. I'm going to flip over to the cash flow statement in their 2023 uh, filing because I, th I think there's something very, very interesting that I want to show you. Okay, behind me is the NVIDIA's uh, 2023 earnings report, um, their annual statement, their annual fiscal year, by the way, ending January uh, 2023. This is the cash flow statement for NVIDIA. You absolutely must read every single annual report from every single stock that you own. If you have 20 stocks in your portfolio, you're reading 20 annual reports every single year. I like to reach out to the investor relations department, ask them to mail me a physical version. If you can get on that distribution list, they do it every year. That's how I know to read it. It arrives in the mail. Uh, some people do it, some people don't. Um, but you need to read it. That's gonna limit the portfolio that you have because you cannot read 100 annual reports every year and internalize them. Uh, believe me, I try on this, on this, um, this channel and it's, it's way too time consuming. Um, but it's gonna limit your portfolio and focus you onto your best ideas and hopefully, they work out and hopefully you don't, you don't sell them, you hang on to them as long as possible and they continue to stack and compound. But what I wanna show you here, I digress, is very interesting stock-based compensation. So on the cash flow statement, you are three sections of the cash flow statement. Cash flow operations, it's highlighted, it's always highlighted right there. The second one, cash flow from investing. Third, cash flow from financing. Now, cash flow from operations, right here, $5.6 billion last year. This is a matter of hard jack, how much cash money they make by running their business every single year. You wanna look for this in every company you own. It should be positive and it should be growing. So you got 5.8 billion, 9.1 billion, and 5.6 billion. That pattern is right. It, was, it peaked in 2020 when they had the peak earnings of last year with the gaming and the, um, and the cryptocurrency sales. So that's fine, it's following EBITDA, we're fine. That's not what I'll show you, I wanna show you this. What's the big dependent on this number? What's, what's driving this number? Well, you got something right there, $2.7 billion of stock-based compensation. And that number is growing very, very quickly. 1.4 billion last year, 2 billion the year before that, 2.7 billion the year before that. If you skip down to the bottom here, repurchase of shares of common stock. They made a big purchase of $10 billion uh, last year, but prior to that, they were not buying any stock back. So what they're doing is they're giving their employees two to $2.7 billion a year in compensation. They're not really buying any back on, a, um, on an annual basis. The question is, what is that relative to the business? So if we go look at revenue, 26.7, call it $27 billion last year top line revenue. Well, what they're doing is they're giving in stock-based compensation 10% of revenue to the employee's revenue. So they gave $2.6, $2.7 billion last year of stock-based compensation to the employees. That's a 10% royalty to the employees, uh, which, hey, don't knock it. Good for them for getting it. They, they work hard, I'm sure they do. But the point is we're stockholders and we need, we need to evaluate the business and management's ability to run the company in the best interest of the stockholders. And that is a very big number to be giving to employees. So what we're gonna do, if you go back to the cash flow um, statement, you see these numbers are less than what I had here. Last year's cash flow is 2.9 billion. That's because I'm expensing stock-based comp as though it were cash 
because they essentially are paying it for cash. They're not buying back the stock. They're giving it to the employees. The employees liquidate it. It's part of their compensation. They look for it every year. And if they if they were unable to give it to them in stock, they'd have to pay it to them in cash to keep them in the business. So net cash flow growing at 17%, still growing both in line with EBITDA. They're both positive, so the accounting is smelling right. Cash flow for income statement. But what I dislike is that they're paying so much of their revenue as stock-based compensation. That's going to drop cash flow for this business. That's going to mean cash flow operations less CapEx is $1 billion. There's your $1 billion of free cash flow. Well, you have number of shares that outstanding is 2.5 uh, billion shares. You divide 1 billion by 2.5, you get 44 cents. So this stock, this stock does not have a strong free cash flow. This stock makes 44 cents of cash flow. It currently trades at $446 a share. That is 0.1% free cash flow yield, which is, which is incredibly small, even microscopic. So I would, uh, I would venture to say that anybody buying the stock obviously is not buying it for the cash flow because it's not there. Despite it paying a dividend, I think you're paying an absolutely astronomical price for this stock and I'd be very, very cautious. Just look 10 years ago, the stock used to yield 5, 6, 7 percent, excuse me, 5 to, five to th 4 to 5 percent of free cash flow and now it's 0.1 percent, 0.1 percent free cash flow. That's astronomical high. So let's take a look at what do we do to forecast this business? So behind me, uh, David, one of our analysts, has, has done a great job kind of putting out there as a forecast for this business uh, a, a target. You can disagree with it. You can agree with it. That's not the point. The point is to get put a, a flag in the ground and say, okay, if this is the forecast, what justifies the price? And does that forecast have enough margin of safety in it to where you feel comfortable underwriting the investment? So what he's done is he's saying, hey, we're going to grow earnings next year from $7 billion to $15 billion. So a doubling, a doubling of earnings next year. Okay. Then after that, <clears throat> like anybody, like, like a rational investor should do, the further you get away from today, the more uncertainty there is in the future. Another pandemic could happen. China could invade Taiwan and disrupt Taiwan Semiconductor, which is the main supplier of NVIDIA. That would be an absolute crushing defeat for the stock. So we don't know what the future is going to hold. And if you're putting your money down on it, you're buying that future forecast. So if I'm going to buy a forecast, I want the most conservative forecast I can buy and let the stock price come to me when I buy it. So 100%, 24%, 16, 8, and then 5. That is a, that is a downward sloping conservative to try to get some kind of cushion in here. And if they outperform it, that's what you want. You don't want to buy a stock with a forecast that's so high, they underperform, you're going to lose money. You buy a stock with a forecast that's small and you hope they beat it. Okay, that means $32 billion of EBITDA out 10 years from now. I want to remind you that they made $7 billion last year. So that's still, that's still a four, four, five, five times um, growth, 500% growth on today's earnings out 10 years ago, which is very, very healthy. So even though this is 100% and slopes to five, you're still saying, hey, I'm going to be up 5x 10 years from now, and I'm going to apply a 30 times market multiple to that. That's an astronomical multiple on its own, let alone out 10 years from now. That's saying that in that this, this company is going to maintain uh, 
high double digit market multiples for a decade, which you can see this swing is very, very high. It's also having its current multiple from, depending on when you measure, this is 61. It's currently 70, uh, 73 on a forward basis, but it's 60, 70. You're going to have it to 30. And when you have it like that, you get a very, you get a much smaller stock price. So if I take the forward earnings times 30, I get a stock price of $385. Let's take a look at free cash flow. So free cash flow forecast, $4.34. That's obviously growing a lot from last year, minimizing CapEx, and they were able to distribute a lot of cash, or rather keep a lot of cash at the bottom line, $4.34. That's gonna grow, same forecast as before, and you get $9. At a two and a half yield, remember that's much less than, uh, excuse me, a much higher yield than we have currently, you get a $368 price target. This is where we run into problems, is you plug in the current stock price at $446, you run this stream of cash flow, which is your, what you're going to own, and you look at the IRR you get as you exit, and it's 0.1%. That's because this downward pressure here where you buy a stock at $446, the price multiple normalizes and it pushes downward pressure on the price and you get $377 as a long-term price target for this stock. That weighs on your return. It's very hard for a stock that trades at a 70 times market multiple to go even higher, kind of betting on the greater fool that someone's going to pay you 100 times, 150 times earnings. Uh, in the future, and that's what's going to weigh in the stock. So, when I look at this stock and I say, "Hey, it's it's making it's making seven point two seven billion dollars," let's pull out a calculator. <clears throat> it does seven point one billion dollars of EBITDA, seven one two one billion times thirty will give it a thirty times market multiple, which is our exit multiple now. Uh, it's half what it once was at, at uh, sixty. It's more in line with history. So times 30, that is 213 billion of enterprise value. Excess debt and cash are roughly zero, so our enterprise value equals market value. I'll divide by shares outstanding, 2.5 billion, 2500. That is an $85 price target for the stock. That is what happens if the stock um, it reverts back to its average market multiple of 30. It's, a, it's an $85 stock. If I divide that by the current stock price, 446 uh, equals minus one, gives me an 80% decline in the stock price. If the market were to wake up one day and say, you know what, it's not worth 70 times earnings, I'm gonna give it 30 times earnings, even though earnings are growing. So let's recap the five key attributes in video. Number one, top line revenue growth. Yes, it's growing. Number two, EBITDA growth. Yeah, EBITDA is growing very, very quickly. Phenomenal. Strong free cash flow. No, I think they gave away too much stock-based comp. Low debt. Yeah, debt's zero. And well-priced. No, I don't think it's well-priced. Um, it, is, it is far too expensive <clears throat> for what it is. So I think it's got to have a pass. I'm going to give it an ugly only because the free cash flow is so uh, weak and the market multiple is so high that I think you are, you are begging to be burned when that market multiple collapses. Again, I would ask you to look at my Microsoft uh, stock review, 30-year history of Microsoft, where I show you how 
market multiples can crater and absolutely kill your return. I think there's a tremendous amount of stocks out there that are yielding double digit 10, 12, 15 times free cash flow that you can buy and they'll, you, they'll just sock away and they'll make money hand over fist, fist for 20, 30, 40 years. And you don't have to rely on someone else paying you more for the same cash flow. You don't care because the cash flow itself is so strong, that's underwriting your investment and you're more than willing to hold the stock for a long time because you're making money. My name is Cameron Stewart. This is Rational Investing. If you like this style, I highly recommend you take my, uh, my financial investing course. I teach people how to do this. My day job, I'm a CFO. I've been a CFO for almost 20 years or working in corporate finance for almost 20 years. Uh, the YouTube channel is simply a hobby of mine. I want to teach people to, uh, to, to, to learn to invest for themselves, to hopefully better themselves, uh, better their financial future in their lives. I wrote a, a simple course. It's about three and a half, four hours of content where I give you the basics on how to look at a stock, how to build a forecast, how to look at revenue, how to read 10Ks and annual reports, how to calculate EBITDA, how to calculate free cash flow, how much debt to, how to calculate debt, like what, what, what numbers, what, what lines within the liabilities are debt and what you're not, how to forecast a stock, what is free cash flow yield, all the basics you need to know to kind of help you along your way. Uh, it's a very successful course. I've had lots and lots and lots of people take the course and thank me for it. Uh, so I highly recommend you do that and, uh, and kind of kick off your financial literacy with, uh, with, with a solid foundation that's, that's rooted in cash flow based analysis, not just simply trading on market multiples or, or trading stocks, which is kind of a gamble. Uh, if you like that, you can visit my website, cashflowinvestingpro.com, where I go through all the details. Or join the Cashflow Club. There's lots of people in there. We discuss all the free cash flow uh, stocks that we like, and I host a quarterly webinar where I go through some of the top picks for myself and some of our analysts that we've covered. And we kind of hit the ball out of the park last couple quarters. We've been really calling some great stocks, so I highly recommend you check it out. Once again, thank you very much for watching. Hit the subscribe button. I always appreciate the support. And uh, share on social media. All right, thanks very much. Bye-bye.